Hi, and welcome to Upper Bounds, the latest podcast for those tired of being boundless. I'm Christy McManigal. And I'm Kyle Nyholm. In today's episode, we focus on Amanda Knox, the UW student that, while studying abroad in Italy, was charged for the murder of her roommate, Meredith Kircher. Who is Amanda Knox? Amanda Knox, like we said, was tried and convicted for the murder of Meredith Kircher, who was a British exchange student in Italy. Meredith Kircher had died from knife wounds in the apartment that she shared with Knox in 2007. Knox and her then-boyfriend, Raphael, were found guilty. They received 26-year and 25-year convictions in October of 2011. But luckily, Knox and her boyfriend, Raphael, were set free eventually. So Amanda Knox was born in 1987, Seattle, Washington, to Etta Mellis, who was a math teacher at the time, and Kurt Knox, the vice president of finance at Macy's. So Amanda Knox grew up in a middle-class neighborhood, and she played soccer, and her athletic skill earned her the nickname Foxy Knoxie. How cute. In 2005, Amanda Knox graduated from Seattle Prep High School. It's a local high school. I believe it's kind of near Capitol Hill. Where fancy people go, I guess. So after graduating a Seattle Prep, she entered UW that fall, and she planned to get a degree in linguistics. She was a pretty normal college student. She threw a lot of parties, but she was also named to the dean's list. She was known for being very charismatic and also very attractive. Sounds um, like me. Ooh. Are you going to find an Italian boyfriend and get charged for murder? One can only hope. So she worked several jobs to pay her tuition. She did it for herself. And then eventually she decided to go to Italy to study abroad for one year. So when she was 20 years old, she headed for Perugia, Italy, and then she went to school there at the University for Foreigners. What a clever name. University for Foreigners, like, couldn't they figure out something better? University for people not from here. So in Perugia, Knox roomed with Meredith Kircher, who was 21 years old at the time, and she was from London, and she was also studying linguistics. After they arrived in Perugia, Knox and Kircher attended a classical music concert. How fun. And there, Knox met a 23-year-old Italian computer engineer named Raphael Celesio. They started dating in the pursuit of a romantic relationship. That's just not fair. I mean, if you're Italian, you can just get, like, a hot girlfriend, no problem. I oh. mean, he's a computer engineering student. Like he's, he was, he's hot. Oh, really? He's really hot. I wish I was Italian. Man. I mean, I'm sure there's, like, unattractive Italians as well. But she was, he, they were, they were a hot couple. On November 1st, 2007, Amanda Knox was supposed to work at a pub called Le Chic, where she had a part-time job. After her boss, Patrick Lumbumba, sent her a text message <laughs> God damn it, Kyle. Who creates that family name? Lumbumba. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's Italian for lumbar. I don't know. Maybe it's totally normal there, and for us, it's just comical. It's pretty hilarious. After her boss, Patrick Lumbumba, sent her a text message saying that she wasn't needed, Knox went to Solicito's apartment for the night. And Solicito is the last name of Raphael, her uh, boy toy. They were getting steamy. I mean, I, I hope so. Not a good use of time if they aren't. Amanda and Raphael reportedly returned to her apartment the next day around 12 p.m., but they found the front door open, windows broken, and blood in the bathroom. Amanda called Kircher's phone, but there was no answer. She then called her third roommate, Finally, Knox called her mother in Seattle, who told her to call the police. Two officers soon appeared at the scene, postal police officers. Yeah, so postal police officers are another word because the direct translation doesn't quite come across. So I believe the police officers there are called the Cabarini. 
Postal police officers are the same thing as our local cops, basically. But the thing about the Cavarini is that they're actually pretty corrupt and they are not very kind to, they're not kind to people in general. Of course, like a police officer's job isn't necessarily to be nice, but in Italy, these people are especially brutal and corrupt. Hmm. I've had a few run-ins with them. They're not kind people. You've been to Italy? Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah, so like these postal police officers, they're used for investigating postal crimes or local crimes, but they're not usually meant for murder investigations. They entered the apartment to investigate and kicked down the door to Kircher's bedroom. Inside, they found Kircher's body on the floor covered in a duvet that was soaked in blood. Good attempt at hiding it, Amanda, but <laughs> didn't work out very well. Bit Remember. obvious. All right, all right. Amanda and Raphael were taken to the police station, and for five days they were interrogated. Later, Amanda would say that no interpreter was present. Though her mother urged her to flee the country, Knox chose to stay in Perugia, wanting to meet Meredith Kircher's family. Amanda later said that she was bullied and beaten while in police custody. So the records say there were two female police officers that were investigating at the time before the murder investigation. There's more to it than just that. So they denied her water. They denied her using the bathroom or anything like that. They'd slap her and beat her constantly. They would beat her because they would say, oh, like, you know something. And she's like, no, I'm not protecting anybody. I'm telling you what happened. And they would hit her and say, you know, you're protecting somebody. Who are you protecting? And so she would tell the truth. And sometimes she said something. Whatever she said, they would hit her and tell her that she was lying. Because they kept hitting her until she gave in. She's like, okay, I'll tell you what you want to hear, which is basically admittance of truth, but also a false accusation as well. It was not good. In an interview, Amanda Knox said, I wasn't just stressed and pressurized, I was manipulated. So they had this guy in custody, but they didn't want to let Amanda and her boyfriend go. So they tried to pin the murder on all three of them. And when in the end, it was just him. This is some good detective work. The state Supreme Court ended up reprimanding the local police officers because they were doing it to spite them, not because they actually believed in that Amanda Knox and her boyfriend killed them. Mm. They need a suave detective like that Hannibal Lecter movie. I guess he was corrupt too. He was a pretty terrible person. Mm -hmm. Finally, Raphael admitted that Knox could have left his apartment that night while he was sleeping. And then when detectives presented this to Knox as an accusation, she broke down. Reminder, this is after she was basically kept in not very good conditions for almost a week. So she broke down and she signed a confession saying that she had returned to her apartment on the night of November 1st, 2007, and had been standing in the next room while Lumbumba stabbed Kircher to death. So this is really bad because A, she said that she was there at the crime, but she also falsely accused Lumbumba, which would end, when they found out that Lumbumba had an alibi, it would end up making Amanda look even worse. So then a couple days later, the Italian police announced that Kircher's killers had been found that Amanda and Raphael were arrested. Kircher's killers would make a great band name, just want to say. What if it's a local Seattle band? That'd be good. Ooh. That'd like be good. A, like a good death metal. Mm. Yeah. When, uh, that would be When your degree doesn't pan out, you should do that. <laughs> when? If. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's when, trust me. <laughs> and so anyways, so like, like I said, Lomova had an alibi. He was bartending and Le Chique on the night of the murder, so he couldn't have done it. And two weeks later, forensics labs reported that the results of examination of DNA evidence taken from the crime scene. The evidence did not point to Amanda Knox or her boyfriend, and it pointed to somebody else, a man named Rudy... I don't say that's last name. Rudy... Dude. Rudy G. <laughs> Rudy... Fuck. Gued? Guede? Guede? Gude? I, can I just say, I just looked at the picture of Amanda Knox, and she kind of looks like Tom Cruise. 
What the fuck? No, she doesn't. She looks like Tom Cruise. Do you still think she's hot? Cute. A Tom Cruise would be kind of cute if he weren't a crazy Scientologist. Well, she's a liberal girl that likes to have fun with Italian men. I'm. I think that gives I'm her not points. Not Italian, in her favor. so. Oh, so she loses. She loses points. She loses points because she wouldn't be with you. Yeah, most girls lose points for that. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, so the evidence point is some guy named Rudy Guide, Gude, who who the fuck knows, who was a friend of the Italian men who lived in the apartment below Knox and Kircher. And so also, there's another connection that was not accounted for in the investigation. So the police officers totally suck because they didn't even take an account in the investigation that Meredith Kircher was fucking one of her neighbors downstairs who was friends with this guy named Rudy. And so Rudy had been accused of several burglaries and he didn't have any convictions on his record though. And he was immediately arrested in Germany. He fled the scene. He was in Germany when they tracked him down after the evidence says like, oh, hey, this is DNA. He admitted to being at the murder scene, but he said that he did not kill Kircher. He stated that Knox and Raphael were not involved either. So very interesting. And so Rudy opted for a fast track trial. In 2008, he was found guilty of the murder and sexual assault of Meredith Kircher and was sentenced to 30 years in prison. Only 30 years for murder and rape? Sentences in other countries are much more lenient, as they should be. Interesting. In America, we're like, oh, give that man life, but life is actually quite terrible, so. Life without parole sentences are kind of inhumane in yeah. most cases. Okay. Because it's like a death sentence, but or, it's prolonged. Or LWAPs, as they're called, but that's not very appropriate given the Italian story right now. <laughs> okay. So then Amanda and Raphael chose to have a full trial, and they were tried together. They knew that they weren't guilty. They wanted to actually work this through. So then the Peruvian prosecutor, Giuliano Migini. I really hope that's how you pronounce it. Painted a picture of Knox that shaped how the public saw her. So what he said became that the people believed. He described a sex-crazed marijuana smoker. This is true. She had marijuana in her system when she was arrested. Oh, she, no. I know. What a terrible thing to do. <laughs> sex-crazed marijuana smoker who had dragged her boyfriend into a game of rough sex. Nice. Hey, you want to go play rough sex? <laughs> Okay, that ended in Kircher's murder. He called Knox a she-devil. And then December 2009, Knox was sentenced to 26 years in prison and her boyfriend, Raphael, received 25 years in prison. So December 2009, this is two years after Meredith Kircher's been murdered. So Knox's family and a lot of supporters, and mostly American, they protested the sentencing. They believed in her. And like, okay, this is slightly biased because you have this really attractive young woman who's- Tom Cruise. Attractive young woman who resembles Tom Cruise, but is not a Scientologist or has misaligned front teeth. It's probably taller than Tom Cruise. Oh, definitely, too. definitely. How could she kill this person? Women sometimes do commit murders. In this case, Amanda was actually innocent. And Donald Trump voiced support for her before he became our crazy ass president. He was like, free this woman, blah, 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 and supported her and all that. Hmm. After he became president, he withdrew his support for her after she was like, who the fuck's this president? So. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And so the law supporters, they criticized the Italian legal system. They said that there were major flaws and that Knox had been discriminated against because she was American and because she was an attractive young woman who was having lots of sex and doing drugs. This part, I definitely agree with. The local police are very biased towards foreigners there. 
Are they biased towards attractive young women, though? I don't know about attractive young women. When I was there, they would try to sexually harass me a lot, and it was very uncomfortable. So I remember like this one time, I was traveling somewhere. I'm just standing on an escalator, and I see the cops walking towards me, and I just didn't do anything. I kind of stood on the escalator, and then one of them gets behind me, and he stops there, and like I don't, I don't want to look at him because I feel like if I look at him or acknowledge him, I'm, in, I'm gonna initiate conversation or something. I remember he would just like inch forward. I could feel himself pressing his pelvis behind me. He started sniffing me and all that. It was fucking weird. I looked at my friend, like who's kind of near me. She's looking like, what the fuck is going on? And the thing is, like, you can't do anything or say that you're uncomfortable because they can easily spin it around on you. And because I didn't speak Italian at the time, I didn't want to engage in any conversation whatsoever due to misinterpretation. And there are like other instances too. The police officers there, if they see people get mugged, they're not that nice to help you out. They don't really care for you. Sad. I know. That reminds me of Mad Men. Just restarted it. (laughs) Oh, it's so fucking good, right? But in like the first episode, oh, what's his name? One of the guys gets into the elevator with um i know exactly what you're talking about peggy that's her name yeah and yeah they like sexually harass her and stuff Mm -hmm. still like that in italy i guess Uh, very much like that yeah in april 2010 amanda knox and rafael celesio celesio i don't speak italian celesio's lawyers filed appeals contesting the evidence and the credibility of the witnesses the appeal process began in december 2010 This time, forensic experts said that DNA used in the first trial was unreliable. In June 2011, the defense called a witness who testified that in prison, Gouda... We'll never get this guy right. Gouda had said Knox and Celesio were not involved in the murder. Are you sure you don't want to say Amanda and Raphael? Don't we want to humanize them? They are innocent after all. Amanda and Raphael had support in their appeal from the Idaho Innocence Project, a legal organization that uses DNA testing to prove the innocence of wrongly convicted people. Go them. Mm-hmm. On October 3rd, 2011, two years after their first trial, the murder convictions against Amanda and Raphael were overturned. Knox's prior conviction for defaming Patrick Lumbumbo was upheld, and she was sentenced to a three-year term and fined. Upon the announcement of the verdict, reporters' cameras caught Amanda breaking into tears. Amanda flew from Rome, Italy, to London, England, and then home to Seattle, Washington. But this was not the end because the acquittal was overturned. So not long after she returned home, Knox picked up her studies at the University of Washington and she majored in creative writing. Good major. Mm -hmm. But in March 2013, Amanda and Raphael were both ordered to stand trial again for the murder of Meredith Kircher by the Italian Supreme Court, which I believe is called the Corte de Assisi, something like that. I might I be wrong. Do they have an Italian Ruth Bader Ginsburg? Oh man, I hope so. That'd be so lit. <laughs> Ruth G. Money. All right. And then, uh, da-da-da, Italian's final court of appeal, the Court of Cassination. I was wrong. Oops, Ca- not, not Corte Cass- de Assisi. Cassation? Cassation, yeah. So the Court of Cassation overturned the acquittals of both Knox and Celestio. Amanda released a statement shortly after learning that she would once again have to face trial for murder. She's quoted, It was painful to receive the news that the Italian Supreme Court decided to send my case back for revision when the prosecution's theory of my involvement in Meredith's murder has been repeatedly revealed to be completely unfounded and unfair. I believe that any questions as to my innocence must be examined by an objective investigation and a capable prosecution. The prosecution responsible for many discrepancies in their work must be made to answer for them. For Raphael's sake, my sake, and especially for the sake of Meredith's family, our hearts go out to them. That's a very well thought out response for a college kid. 
she probably had a. Uh, I'm sure PR she had person. help. I'm yeah. sure she had help, but like just the idea. <coughs> All right, I, I like to play with the idea. So after the acquittal was overturned, a new trial began in September of 2013. And because the court in Perugia lacked the appropriate amount of space needed, wow, wait, there must have been a shit ton of people there then. They just needed enough room to talk with their hands. Mm, oh, they yeah. They can't be too close together or else they can't speak. Mm, okay. <laughs> so the location of the second trial was in Florence, Italy. A judge named Alessandro Nancini. Fuck these names, man. So a judge named Alessandro Nancini was overseeing the trial. And Amanda made no arrangements to attend any portion of the trial, while Raphael attended the trial as it came to an end with a verdict. I wonder if she didn't go just because she couldn't stand it, because like it's, this has been like an emotional roller coaster for years on end. And there's a new piece of evidence here, which is referred to as evidence 36-I. And this was examined in this trial. And this evidence was a minuscule piece of material that was found on a kitchen knife that Italian prosecutors believe was used to kill Kircher. So when Kircher was found, she'd been stabbed multiple times and she bled out from neck wounds. So the new testing did not find Kircher's DNA on the knife though. However, experts found traces of Knox's DNA on the knife. This is such bullshit. They lived together. She probably used that knife all the time. If anyone grabbed my kitchen stuff, they'd find both me and my roommate's DNA on it. Good just, point. Just saying. And then Amanda's legal team used the, the finding in her defense. It means Amanda took the knife exclusively for cooking matters to keep in the kitchen and to use it. Ha ha. And Amanda's defensive lawyer, Luca Maiori, told the Associated Press, it is something very important. It is absurd to use it for a murder and put it back in the drawer. But that's just where, that's just where you'd expect it, you know? Mm. Like, they're not going to think to check the drawer because that's where, I don't even know what I'm saying, to be honest. <laughs> I think we get your point. In early February 2014, Amanda and Raphael were again found guilty of murdering Meredith Kircher. Raphael received a 25-year prison sentence, while Amanda, who was convicted of slander in addition to murder, was sentenced to 28 and a half years in prison. Why was she found guilty of slander? Oh, I think it's because of the Lumbumba thing, because she accused him and this defamed him. I am so proud of you for not laughing at his name. I can see it. You want to. I mean, I'd slander it, too. <laughs> I mean, it's a good, like, character name, though be honest. He's, a, he's like a bartender or a bar owner or something. It's a good character name. Or like a big businessman or something. Mm. So in March 2015, the Supreme Court of Italy overturned the 2014 convictions of Amanda and Raphael. This ruling was the final decision in the case against the two, and more details on the court's verdict were released in June. After learning about the verdict, Amanda issued a statement saying, quote, I am tremendously relieved and grateful for the court's decision. And so after this, Amanda returned home and she finally finished her degree and she began working as a freelance journalist. And she wrote a book called Waiting to be Heard, a memoir, which was about her experience and was released in 2013. And there was a Netflix documentary released in 2016 called Amanda Knox. That's still up there. We should watch it. And so on top of her writing career... Oh, she did, she did graduate with a major in creative writing. Yeah. I'm, uh, good for her. I'm I mean, I'm sure UW would allow it. Sign. I would hope so. I mean, maybe, maybe the um, maybe she wrote her uh, when she was applying to the major. She used her murder conviction as her personal statement. President Young, give her this major. Mm -hmm. So, on top of her writing career, Knox appeared at events for the Innocence Project, which advocates for people who have been rightfully improved. Sorry, <laughs> <Advocate> <laughs> rightfully imprisoned. <laughs> <laughs> which advocates for people. <laughs> which advocates for people who've been wrongfully imprisoned. And then in August 2017, 
Knox announced she's planning to return to Peruya in 2018. What the fuck? Why would you go back? As a part of a follow-up book to her best-selling memoir. Who the fuck? You skipped over the part where she's currently dating author Christopher Robinson. Who's that? So even though the trial happened in 2007, we don't talk about it that much anymore in the Seattle area. If you go online, there's still a huge number of blogs of men who still believe Amanda Knox. These are all like conservative men from the States, not in Italy, like Caucasian white men that still believe that Amanda Knox is guilty and they just go on this blog and they just rant and rave continuously. It's still active. I looked them up. They still, t they still make posts. I don't understand this. It's the marijuana. And the sex. They hate her because she was smoking marijuana. Mm. We've seen it it's time the, and time again. It's the again. devil's lettuce. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's why we don't care about it here in Seattle, because everybody smokes marijuana. <laughs> Nobody cares. That about wraps it up for today. This has been Upper Bounds with Christine McManigal and Kyle Nyholm. Tune in for our next episode on Seattle's grunge scene with our first guest appearance. You know him. You love him. It's going to be Neil Chakravarty. If you have any questions, monetary contributions, or ideas that you want to hear from us, please email us at podcast at dailyudub.com. Thank you. technology, engineering, and math. My name is Prapanit Dua, and I host a podcast called Women in STEM, where I sit down and talk with men and women in different STEM fields about where their careers have taken them, and I also discuss important issues surrounding women in these fields. Join me every other Tuesday on the Soundbite Network from the University of Washington. For more like this and other great shows covering sports, science, relationships, and the arts, visit the Soundbites website, uwpodcast.com. That's uwpodcast.com.